right, we're going to shift gears a little bit here, uh, blast beats and bicycles. We're going to start talking a little bit about bikes, cycling, and in particular, track racing here. I've got McAllister alumna Emily Wade in the studio with me. Hi, Emily. Hi, Jason. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Does it feel good to be back on campus? It does. I love coming on campus. Um, every opportunity that I get, I come back. So Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Did you do anything for reunion weekend this weekend or last weekend? I, guess? I did not. Next year is my five year. So nice. I'm really looking forward to that. But I wasn't able to come back to reunion this year. Yeah. Are a lot of your friends kind of in that five, one or two mile McAllister radius? Not really. A lot of my friends moved out to New York after school. So a couple of them were from there and others just wanted a change, wanted something different. So, yeah, a lot of the folks that I hung out with at McAllister aren't around anymore. Um, But there are two other folks from my year who actually race at the track. So Anna Schmitz and Sophie Nikitas were also in my class, class of 2014, and they race out at the velodrome too. So it's really fun to get to see them. Yeah, it's got to be cool to sort of have that built-in community out there. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. It's been interesting to see um, how the intersections between my graduating class and the bike community in Minneapolis more generally, there's a lot of us kind of poking around. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's pretty cool. You know, one of the things we're going to try to do each week here on Blast Beats and Bicycles is do a little recap of some of the action that took place at the velodrome. We have Thursday night lights racing every Thursday night in Blaine. If you've never been out to the velodrome, uh, it's worth a a trip up there, even though there's a nightmarish construction challenge going on right now. uh, We've got lots of great racing. Uh, Emily's a racer up there. How many years now have you been up? So this is the fourth summer that I'll be racing, although last year I only raced one time, so I'm not sure if it counts or not. Um, but I've been racing since the 2015 season, and I really love it. That's fantastic. You know, one of the things that, that happened on the track last night was our junior racers, our future stars, came out and uh, and showed their stuff. And I think you worked with two of the riders that were out there last night, Owen and Toby. Can you talk a little bit about what you've done with the junior program and the and the Velo Kids program? Yeah. So my first year that I started racing was 2014, and um, I'd actually only learned how to ride a bike a couple of years earlier. I learned how to ride a bike when I was at McAllister. Um, and so I was just trying to do new things. I was on this team called Coachella, which is a women trans femme bike racing team that at that time was really track focused. Um, and I was just trying something new. Couple months into racing, Bob was Bob, who um, manages the velodrome out in Blaine. He was looking for some folks to help out with Velo Kids, which is the program that we have for children. And I was really interested, but thought that I didn't have enough experience since I had just started track racing just a couple months earlier. They assured me that I was wrong, and I started helping out. And yeah, two of the kids that were in that class were Toby and Owen, who are now racing in the juniors field. That's fantastic. You know, it was great to see those kids out there. They're very competitive. And it was it was pretty impressive. We had them on a standing start uh, for one of their races last night. And and one of the kids was had so much power in his legs that he actually pulled the chain right off the sprockets of his bike out of the standing start. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I wasn't able to be at racing last night. I'm coming home from a vacation in Ohio where I'm from, and I was just a little bit sleepy. Didn't really <laughs> feel like coming out. But that's amazing to hear. I mean, they've both been really strong riders since I've known them. And I know that they were coming to Velo Kids since before 2015 as well. 
Um, and the, one of the wonderful things about watching those two is that they've gotten to know each other over the years coming to Velo Kids, and they're really good friends. They're really strong competitors. They love, you know, tearing each other to shreds on the velodrome. <laughs> um, they love taking big risks, and they're both really, really strong, but they have a really great camaraderie, too, and a really great friendship that's grown over the past couple of years. That's fantastic. You know, we uh, we also had last night our Masters 40-plus uh, age group race their state championship for the, in the points race. Oh, fun. And that was, that was really fun. It was amazing to see all of the tactics going back and forth. You know, the points race, obviously, you have to accumulate points throughout the race. You can't just rely on the final sprint. Uh, and it all came down to consistency. You know, the guy who won, mm-hmm. Jason Goldberg, took points in every single sprint, and then got the big points to secure the win at the, in the final sprint. But, you know, he was there in the mix every single time. And that's obviously essential to, to doing well in a points race. Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's really cool to see the Masters state champs race in particular because a lot of those folks, they don't race in the same category. They're not all on the same level for racing every week. But seeing them all together, I think, really reminds the other riders the kind of strategy that can go into those races because a lot of those folks are really experienced and have a really good understanding of the strategy behind velodrome racing where a lot of younger folks and newer folks like me like we're learning that um, and our fitness might come and go but those folks really know the thought behind the racing it's really cool to see when when they're all put together like that yeah I've raced in a few of those uh, masters 40 plus state championship races and I can tell it's a different level of racing than, you know, in the category fours where I normally race, Um, you know, in particular, what you talked about, the strategy and the tactics and understanding how to sort of manage a race, you know, in the fours, people are a little uncomfortable, you know, it's a big group and you haven't raced very much. And so it's kind of like, well, I don't know who's going to do what, so I'm just going to take off. Right. And then you get the immediate response is like, oh, somebody just left. I got to yeah. go. Yeah. And in the master's races, because you've got people who are that much more experienced, you really have a sense that it's like, OK, well, that that escape is not going to stick. We're going to mm-hmm. let that person go for, you know, two or three laps. They'll get tired and come back. We don't need to chase down every rabbit that runs off the front. Uh, so it's yeah. fun to be in those races because you get you really do get a sense of how to manage your race better. Absolutely. And I think it's fun to see those folks, too, as you watch the fields for the rest of the night, as they do go back into their fields or on a different night. Um, You know, those are the folks that are really strategic in those fields as well. And that often pays off. Um, Those are folks that place in the top three in their fields regularly, um, even though they are in the master's category, which some people might think is a disadvantage. But obviously, for a lot of those folks, it's not. Yeah, especially up at our track. I mean, we've got some of the fastest master's racers in the country. We've got a couple of different uh, world champions uh, that race up there on a regular basis. So it's very, very fast racing. As you watch those people, you know, from, you know, the things that you're trying to learn and stuff like that, what are some of the things that you try to take away from watching those people? Oh my gosh, that's a really good question. Um, Well, I try to pay really close attention to how people position themselves at different points in the race. Um, Particularly, I've been paying a lot of attention to the beginning of races and the end of races. And when folks are 
in different positions. Um, a lot of people talk about the missing out race and positioning for that. So the missing out is an elimination race. So you start with the entire pack and one rider gets eliminated every other lap down until you have just two folks battling it out at the end. Um, so it's interesting watching different people's strategies for that, playing to their strengths, whether they're more of an endurance person or more of a sprinter, um, where they place themselves at the beginning. Um, a lot of folks like sitting second wheel and kind of being protected and covered. But then at the end, when it's down to like four or five people, if you haven't gotten yourself out of that situation, that's a really easy way for people to squeeze you out the back. Um, so I think that's a really interesting race to watch. And then also the points races, the longer points races, like you were talking about um, whether folks do have a strategy of you know, getting a couple points every time or if they save it up all for the end and try to get the double points and win that way. Are there a, a handful of riders that you particularly keep your eye on and, and know that you're going to get some good learning when you watch them race? Oh, that's a good question. Um, some of the riders that I really love riding, I mean, Lindsay Hamilton, obviously, she's so amazing and has been you know, such a huge part of the community and a huge part of making other people comfortable and teaching other people the amazing things that she knows. I love watching Jason Goldberg as mm -hmm. well. Um, Pat Whalen has amazing strategic skills. Um, and then another person that I watch is Anna Sviven because she's put a lot, a lot of work in. Um, and in addition to working really hard on her fitness, has worked really, really hard on her strategy as well. And I know that for her, when she does well in a race, it's because of both of those things, um, not just because she's really, really strong, which she is, but I know she also thinks very careful, carefully about strategy. So I try to pay attention to what she's doing as well. Yeah, you know, that women's field in particular at the track has become very, very strong over the last four or five years. There's really been a concerted effort by a number of people to really get the ball rolling on the women's side. You've been a part of that with the Coachella team that kind of started things. Talk a little bit about how that women's field has grown and what you've seen. Yeah, well, I wasn't around for the beginning of it. I was part of the second year of Coachella, which, um, as I mentioned earlier, is a women trans femme team that is that used to be really focused on track racing, but now they do some dirt racing as well. Um, the way that that team started was that there were some women trans femme people at the track who wanted to race and they wanted to have their own field consistently. So they wanted to be able to race with other women trans femme and not always have to race with the men or be able to show up at the track and know that there would be a women's field and they wouldn't have to race with the men. Um, so a bunch of them took the intro to track cycling class, which anyone can come and take. You can rent a bike and as long as you have pedals and shoes that clip into those pedals and a helmet, they'll teach you how to ride on the track. So anyone can come do that. They all, a bunch of people decided that they wanted to take that class. And then after that, they wanted to be on teams. They wanted to have some support getting into track cycling. And my understanding of what happened was that because they didn't have experience or um, know what was going on, really, they needed a high level of support and other teams weren't prepared to take that on. So they made their own team and it was called Coachella and they designed really loud, bright, colorful kits and they got 
the support of All City, who donated a bunch of amazing bikes, one of which I'm lucky enough to have, that have these really bright pink, yellow, and blue colorway. And they decided they were going to show up, they were going to be loud, um, and they were going to bring attention to track cycling. Um, and as a result of that, more and more women trans femme people started to hear about track cycling and become interested in it. I was one of those people. I applied to be on Coachella the second year that it existed, and I was lucky enough to get a spot on the team, which was really amazing. Um, the year before I was on Coachella, I had heard about track racing and was really interested in it. But I didn't have a car, and it hadn't occurred to me that someone would give me a ride to go up and learn and race. So just having that support network and knowing, yes, someone is looking out for you, yes, someone is going to help you, was really amazing. Um, Coachella also helped get me a lot of equipment um, and discounted race fees for me. So I was super, super lucky to benefit from that my first year. And then over the past couple of years, it's grown even more. Um, the third year, so many people applied to be on Coachella that other teams came out of that. So Coachella took on more folks. And then some of the other folks that applied um, started their own teams, which was amazing. Um, and now we're to the point where we have two women's fields every single week, which is amazing. I remember the first time we had two women's fields at the track. The first couple races when I raced, it was all one field. So all levels mixed together. And now there's a beginner um or less fast <laughs> field. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I don't think of myself as a beginner, but I am less fast, and that's why I'm in that field. I, uh, I'm, I'm in that same boat with you. I'm in that exact same boat. Yeah. Um, and then there's a faster, more advanced field, um, and now we have that every single week. And folks who have raced for the past two years. Um, don't remember when that wasn't the case. They yeah. don't remember when, you know, like I had to race with Linda <coughs> Sone, who is this amazing, wonderful, wonderful racer who doesn't race anymore. But um, we were all together and it wasn't always the safest situation. And we weren't able to hone some of the tactics that we are now, some of the tactics and the strategic parts that we were talking about earlier. You really have to be racing with people who are a similar speed to you or things get really jumbled up and that stuff doesn't really work. Um, I was talking to someone who races in the W4 field and talking about how Coachella came to be and how there weren't two women's fields and there wasn't always even one women's field. And that person didn't even know that story and didn't even know that that was the case and that was why Coachella existed. And to me, like, that's the biggest success is that we are at a point now where someone who races very consistently, does, that doesn't even occur to them. Like, they don't know that that happened. And I think that just really shows how far we've come I think there's still work to do. You know, there the women's four field, particularly this year, has been pretty small every week. Um, so I think that as a community, we want to look at that and we want to see what barriers there are to folks coming out and how we can build that up even more. You know, you said something earlier that really intrigued me uh, and is so different from the historical way bike clubs got together. You know, before it was like, hey, you want to race some bikes? Yeah, okay, let's go race some bikes and let's maybe put a, let's see if we can get a jersey. But you guys, you actually had to go through an application process with the team. Talk a little bit about what that was like. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, it wasn't very formal. <laughs> um, it was, I think it was like a Google form or yeah. something that they put out there. And I had been seeing some of them in the community. Um, that year I was working for Nice Ride Minnesota, the bike share. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of coming out of college, learning about communities in Minneapolis, um, fell into the bike community. And I had met two people who um, were on Coachella at the time, first year Coachella, um, June and Lila at a Cyclofem ride. Um, and so had met them, was like, hmm, maybe, maybe they'll be interested in me. Um, so I filled out the Google form. I was the last person, if you would have, you know, gotten my friends together in college and said, like, someone from this group is going to spend a lot of their time, like, being an amateur athlete and thinking that's really important after college. Um, I don't think that I would have picked me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's been a really, really positive experience for me. Um, The application process itself, as I said, was like pretty minimal. Um, I I think what they were looking for was just a, a mix of personalities and a mix of people. I think that's one of the things that made the original group of Coachella folks really successful is that they did come from a lot of different areas of the cycling world or Mm -hmm. even parts of the city or communities within the city. Um, So there were, there were messengers, there were, um, you know, people that were interested in different kinds of racing, alley cat racing, commuters, there was an accountant, um, a tattoo artist, um, People involved in brewing, you know, so it was a really, a really kind of wide swath of folks who were, yeah, just like hauling on the, on the trails, like people that were just like these amazing commuters um, and taking those urban cyclists, those really talented urban cyclists and making them into track racers and creating a community around those people. Um when I was on the team, we used to refer to ourselves as like a ragtag crew because it kind of was. <laughs> it was like a group of people where it's like, uh, I don't really know if like we would have met each other otherwise. Yeah, and without the bike. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. And so that's a really amazing, amazing thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's I, I think you and I have a similar sort of origin story, if you will, on the track. I had never ridden in a pack of more than like three people mm-hmm. and it was always on trails. You mm-hmm. know, I never raced until I found the track. And then I started doing uh, some work with the track people and uh, took the class. And that first night, I'll never forget that first night on the track in the class. And I figured out how to ride a fixed gear bike. Never done that before. Mm -hmm. And I was riding around on the blue band at the bottom of the track, looking up at this 20 foot high wall that's, you know, 43 degrees. And I said, you know, physics do not allow people to be there. (laughs) This is not a possible thing. And then I got up there on those first couple of laps and I just, it was the biggest rush in the whole world. Yeah. I can only imagine what it was like for you, you know, only having re- learned to ride a bike a couple years before. Yeah. What was that? Fe- what did that feel like? That's a good question. So I had learned how to clip in. So using clipless pedals, probably like a couple months before, after I found out that I was on Coachella, I was like, all right, I like really need to get my stuff together because like, I'm not ready for this. Um, so in addition to building up the bikes, we had, um, they had leftover frames from the year before. So we built up our own bikes with the help of Jamie McDonald Mm -hmm. from Sunrise Sunrise, Cyclery. Um, I think he's now at recovery in Northeast. So yeah, Jamie was a wonderful resource to us. So building up our bikes, getting our gear together, and then got a ride from a friend up to the track. 
And my first day, I actually slid all the way down Ooh. from above the blue line. Ouch. So the blue line is about halfway up the track, this 43-degree wall of wood. And... I had these wheels, the rims were just like, there was something about the rims and me putting my bike together and installing the tube and the tires that, you know, it just wasn't the best plan. And <laughs> I, what happened was I got a flat on oh, the track, no. which is not very common. Yeah. Um, usually if that's happening, it's because you did something wrong, which <laughs> I did. Um, and the great thing about it was I was kind of in the middle of a pace line of people. So a long line of track riders, it's all of their first time on the track too. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and they all just instinctively went up and over me as I slid down the track. So that was, that was great. I didn't take anyone out. That's Um, good. And in a way, I'm kind of glad that that happened because, after I fell down the track, I was like, well, know what that feels like. <laughs> um, and I was able to kind of pick myself up and get back on. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's good. Get that that sort of fear of the unknown out of the way right yes. away. Right. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, when it happened, the track director, Bob, kind of like rushed over to me. Um, and I think that he may have thought that I was a messenger or something because mm-hmm. like, he knew that I was on Coachella and like I'm not a messenger. That is like <laughs> farthest from the truth. I That is a really hard job and a job that um, I don't think that I could do. Um, but he looked at me and he was like, did you backpedal? And I was like, no, I don't even know what, <laughs> what that is. What are you talking is. about? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I don't think so. <laughs> and we found out that I had a flat. So that was a relief. Yeah. And I didn't want to be in, you know, I wanted to be in Bob's good graces. Yeah, absolutely. So. <laughs> yep. What, uh, so you've obviously gone on and done a lot of other things in cycling. What, what disciplines are you getting yeah. excited about in terms of, you know, your own recreation? Oh my gosh. That's a good question. So I started as a commuter, like I said, and then track cycling was kind of the first racing that I did. I had done an alley cat race before my first track race, just because I thought maybe I should try racing before I decide that I'm going to race for a whole summer. Um, And then I started doing a little bit of road. I did a lot of cyclocross that season. Now what I'm most excited about is mountain biking recreationally. There's a really great new group called the Midwest Dirt Legion, and they are... Um, a group that's trying to get more femme trans women people involved in mountain biking, kind of like what Coachella did for track racing. One of the people involved with that, Steph, actually was on Coachella mm-hmm. for the first year. We miss her at the track, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Steph, well, I, Steph just sold her track bike. So I, I saw that. <laughs> and I wanted to yell at her, but I'm like, oh, that's too bad. Yeah. But Steph's found something that she's really passionate about and is doing a lot of really great work there. So I've been able to go to a couple of their beginner mountain bike clinics, and that's been really great. One thing that I've learned as I've done more and more disciplines is that everything informs everything else. So some of the skills that I picked up in track, like having a steady pedal stroke and being able to steer from the hips because you don't really turn on the track. That Mm -hmm. would be a bit of a disaster with the banking. You steer from the hips and lean with it. Um, So those skills transfer into road racing. They transfer into cyclocross. They transfer into mountain Mountain biking. Mountain bike for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, mountain biking in turn has helped me too. Um, being able to look through things more mm-hmm. consistently definitely helps out on the track. 
track. And I think the more you do, the more fearless you become as yeah. well, which whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, you know, yep. who knows, but yep. <laughs> it does make it easier. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I follow pro cycling a little bit, you know, the European uh, scene, and I've always been interested in watching the track riders, the people with track experience do well uh, at the national level. I mean, they're the mm -hmm. world level, you know, obviously Mark Cavendish and, and Bradley sure. Wiggins are two of the biggest names that have really come off the track. And Eddie Merckx, of course, way back in the day was okay. a huge proponent of track. And, and you watch the bike handling skills, especially of a guy like Cavendish, you know, people will say, yeah, he's crazy in a sprint and he's, you know, unpredictable and he's dangerous, but man, there's nobody that can handle their bike better than, than Mark Cavendish, I don't think. And I think that a lot of that comes from the track. That makes a lot of sense. I love even like commuting with my friends from the track because it's just so fun. You know that you can get really close to them. Yeah. You know that you can like kind of do silly things and have fun and play around. Mm -hmm. um, I've had friends like Madison throw each other <laughs> on the greenway. <laughs> That's so, like, awesome. Hold their hands and just like throw them. And it's it's really fun. It's really playful. Yeah. I think that a lot of the people that do track you know, they they are after that adrenaline that you mm -hmm. talked about, that yep. the banking, the rush, the speed, the yeah, just, yeah. it's so fun. And it's so <laughs> it, it is playful. I think, you know, you you get really close to people. There's something really intimate about mm -hmm. it, I think. Um, and there's a lot of trust involved, too. Um, one thing I think about being in the fours field um, is that you have to build trust with people really quickly yeah. because there are folks that have maybe been there for a while and there are folks that are coming out of their first class. Yeah, this is their first race. Yep. And that happens throughout the season. Um, and you kind of have to learn to read people quickly and mm -hmm. build trust with people because you are in a very intimate situation. You don't have breaks. Um, you're going really fast. Yep. And yeah, you gotta, you gotta trust each other. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. You know, I think, uh, and obviously a lot of the disciplines require good bike handling skills, but I believe that track is so good for people's bike handling skills that every racer should try the track at least once just to get that experience. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a good idea. <laughs> Generally, but, right? Um, I think it's funny too, talking to people from other disciplines, uh, about what scares them. Yes. Because to me, I, I still think road racing is very scary, and I think a lot of that comes from that it is similar to track, but mm -hmm. you do have brakes, yep. so people can decide that they're changing their speed a lot more quickly than they can on the track, and it's interesting talking to road racers because a lot of them think that track is really scary yeah. for kind of the opposite reason, right. um, so it's interesting how we get comfortable in our areas mm -hmm. and... Um, can be kind of afraid to branch out, but yeah. when you do, it really helps. It does. And you know, it's, it always, I, I am struck too by the number of times I hear from roadies. Oh, the track is so dangerous. I'm like, there's no potholes. <laughs> there's no cars. There's yes. no curbs to hit your pedals on. I mean, right. it, we're just going fast and turning left. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There's no big hill that the person in front of you is going to like not be, be in the right gear for. And right. Like, there's, yeah. There's no surprises yeah. really. Um, and when something is going wrong, I think that there are, there are some warning signs that mm -hmm. you can start to pay attention yeah. to. I mean, I think, you know, obviously track has a reputation of, you know, these spectacular flame out crashes. Right. You see YouTube videos from track racing all the time and they're just like bikes and parts everywhere. Mm -hmm. But that's so rare. 
you yeah. know, and so uncommon yeah. on the track that it, it's almost inconsequential to talk about those. Right. I, I completely agree. Yeah. I haven't, I mean, I haven't ever, knock on wood, been part of a crash. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been around some like mishaps, mm-hmm. I would say, or actually that's not true. I have kind of been part of a crash um, during warmups mm-hmm. when um, one of my really good friends were coming up on a pace line and they were going a lot slower than us mm. and I went up and she went down and she tumbled oh, down the track. Oh, shoot. Um, so that was a lie. <laughs> um, I That's right. Done. Nobody, this is uh, not on the radio or anything like that. Don't worry about that. Sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, that friend has since come back to racing Good. too, which I think is a testament to how amazing it is and how much fun it is and what a great community we have. And I think there's a real sense of urgency for us mm-hmm. right now too. Um, this track is going away at the end of the next season. So I think everyone's just really trying to get out and do as much as they can and enjoy it while it's here. Yeah. And, 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 you know, as uh, being a part of the Minnesota cycling center effort in, to build the next version of track cycling here in Minnesota, I've been really grateful for the support of the track community. Everybody's really rallied around what we're trying to do to build this new indoor facility. We hope that it'll be in a nice central location in Northeast Minneapolis. Um, we've got a lot of work going on at the legislature and we've got some really good support from the city of Minneapolis. A lot of things are happening right now, uh, uh, behind the scenes at the city level, uh, which we hope will bear some fruit, um, in the, in the coming weeks. We had a bill at the legislature this spring, um, for some bonding funding, but didn't, mm-hmm. didn't get, uh, any funding there. Actually bike, bike projects were somewhat defunded generally by the legislature this year, which was kind of disappointing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Cuyuna mountain bike park had asked for $3 million and they didn't get any of that money. Wow. Um, so it wasn't just the cycling center that, that was, you know, was disappointed from the, from the session, mm-hmm. but you know, with the support from the city and a lot of people in the community, um, we're, we're continuing to push forward and, you know, we're hoping that in the next couple of years we'll have, uh, a, a new place to ride. Yeah, I, I really hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, what can folks do to help if they want to get more involved? You know, the, in the biggest thing is to go check out the website, which is mncyclingcenter.org. Uh, it's a nonprofit organization. We have we have uh, lots of opportunities for people to help, whether it's getting out the word through volunteering for events that we're going to be at this summer uh, to being a part of our STEM programming. So we're actually we've created a science curriculum uh, for middle school kids based on bikes. So we do an after-school program, an hour a day or once a week. And uh, while we're teaching the kids how to take care of their bikes, like changing tires and fixing their brakes and that kind of stuff, we're teaching about the physics of air pressure and we're letting the kids do experiments about that. We're giving them experiments about friction and showing them how their wheels actually heat up when you put the brakes on. So we've got heat guns that we use to show the kids how that physical energy changes into heat energy. And they get blown away by that. So it's that science, you know, making the science engaging for those kids uh, mm-hmm. is huge. And so, you know, we've got volunteers who do that stuff with the kids and and nobody is a trained educator. Right. We've got people who are part of the school system who are helping us develop the curriculum. But in terms of volunteers, there's no previous, you know, to have to have a Ph.D. in physics sure. to come and help with our after school program. Um, and so that's another opportunity for people to get uh, involved as well. 
So, That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I'm definitely familiar with teaching with little experience. So <laughs> if you're interested, go to the website and find out how you can help. Yeah. I mean, you've really turned your your love for cycling into a into a profession. I mean, you've worked in a couple different bike related activities yes. so far. Yes, I have. So as I mentioned, when I came out of school, I worked for Nice Ride Minnesota, the bike share, and I was doing outreach for them. So I was bopping around at local events, uh, preaching the Nice Ride gospel. <laughs> And that was really, really fun. Um, it was a good introduction for me to Minneapolis. I was living here in St. Paul when I went to McAllister. And while I did go to Minneapolis on bike rides, um, throughout my time there, I didn't really know the city very well. So Nice Ride was a really good way for me to learn more and get out in the community. I was at an Open Streets event one time and then Mayor Betsy Hodges mm -hmm. came to the table and I had no idea who she was. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a really funny moment. I was kind of like setting up the tent and she was making her like morning rounds of open streets and saying hi to people, you know, waving and kissing babies and things like that. <laughs> and she came up to the table to say hello and I pitched an ice ride membership to her. Um, As you so should. That, yeah, that was, so that was a little bit embarrassing. Um, but yeah, nice ride kind of springboarded me into the cycling community. It's how I started meeting people. It's how I um, started to meet people from Coachella as well. Uh, after that, that winter, I worked on a assessment and strategic plan for Nice Ride, which was a really, really cool opportunity. Um, I was freelancing for people for bikes at that time too. Um, and then I started doing some other nonprofit work, which brought me all the way back to our streets, Minneapolis, which used to be the Minneapolis Bicycle Coalition. So mm -hmm. now those open streets events that I used to go to at Nice Ride, um, I'm one of the people coordinating those events now. So that's been really, really fun. We had one event in June, the Lindale Open Streets event, and our next one is Open Streets Lake and Minnehaha, which is on July 22nd. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Are you guys doing anything in St. Paul? Are there going to be any open streets events in St. Paul? So we're a Minneapolis based organization. Right. We don't, we don't do the St. Paul stuff. Um, there is a St. Paul bicycle coalition. Um, that would be something that a group like that or another group would have to coordinate with the city of St. Paul. I know that they did do an open streets university when the green line opened mm -hmm. and that was really fun, but I, I don't know if there are any plans to do other open streets events here in St. Paul. Yeah, it'd be fun. I mean, so the open streets events that I've been to in Minneapolis have just been a fantastic community gathering. You know, it's just fun to see all the kids out there mm -hmm. and all the businesses getting involved and all the community organizations that are showing off what they're trying to, you know, to do. And mm -hmm. uh, it's really fun to see people wandering around the street. Yeah, it is. It is. And my favorite thing about it is that it gets people to rethink their community a little bit. So, yeah. You know, if you live near the route, uh, you can't drive to one of those businesses on that day because the street is closed to motor vehicle traffic. But you could bike or mm -hmm. you could walk or you could take the bus. Um, and I think that that encourages folks to try that. Mm -hmm. And maybe if they did it for open streets, maybe they could do it another day. Right. Or maybe they did drive and they parked on a side street, but then they walked like 15 blocks mm -hmm. going down the event. And so making those little connections in people's brains of, hey, like, I can walk this far. It's not a big deal. Look at all these cool things in my mm -hmm. neighborhood. Like, I could come back here and 
maybe I don't have to take my car. Yeah. Um, so making those little shifts for folks. Um, One of my favorite ways to game the system is to is to drive. You know, when I have to go for meetings downtown Minneapolis, I'll mm-hmm. drive to the outskirts where there's no parking meters. And then I'll jump on the nice ride. I've got this. Nice. There's, a, there's a secret nice ride station. <laughs> there's a secret nice ride station that only I know about. Ah. And so I'll grab the bike and then I'll ride into downtown. And it's it's great because you don't have to pay for parking, especially, you know, I mean, a lot of times those ramps are full during the day. Sure. So if you're trying to go yeah. down there in the middle of the day, it's really hard to find a spot. And so it's nice to be able to use that nice ride bike and yeah. you know, just pop in and. I don't think people think about that. You know, it's like, well, I'm in my car. I might as well just go all the way there. Well, hopefully with all the construction going on, this is a great opportunity yeah. <laughs> to trade your car for something else. Perfect time to learn. Yeah. You know, we're uh, I'm here with Emily Wade. Emily is an alumna of McAllister, uh, fellow grad uh, of the school here. We are at McAllister College Radio. It's 91.7 WMCN. And you're listening to Blast Beats and Bicycles. This is the bicycle portion of the show. I'm going to actually uh, play a quick tune because Dessa just came out with a new record this year, and she put out a song that's all about us and our love of track bikes. It's called Velodrome. Machine, at least half steam. Aquinas, call on me. How many angels on the head of your pin? Anybody in stilettos can answer that old thing. It's one for the right foot, one for the left. Half an angel per pin at best. Add wings, add heart, add heart, all set. We lean to turn in the velodrome. All lines are curved in the velodrome. We pitch and roll, wheels, flesh and bones, total control, and it's, it's ours alone. We lean to turn in the velodrome. All lines are curved in the velodrome. Pitch and roll, wheels, flesh and bones, total control, and it's, it's ours alone. It goes gospel, gossip, slander, harvest, hunger. Rain dance, hand to God, I didn't think it was contagious Eve leaving Eden in a makeshift dress With a bell to tell us when we're hungry There's a bell to tell us when we're tired A bell that tells us to rise and fight A bell to rise and die It's just all bells sometimes I'll ring myself to see if I might chime We lean to turn in the velodrome All eyes are curved in the velodrome and roll, wheels, flesh and bones, little control, and it's, it's ours alone. We lean to turn in the velodrome, all lines are curved in the velodrome. We pitch and roll, wheels, flesh and bones, little control, and it's, it's ours alone. Deciding where 
ashes we alter left We lean to turn another drone We lean to turn another drone All right, so that was Dessa singing Velodrome off her new Chime LP. That was a very cool song for all those of us in the track community just because someone was actually singing about track racing or track cycling. That was something that doesn't happen all that often. Um, but Emily told me while we were listening to that song about uh, the deeper meanings underneath that. Emily, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, when I was at McAllister, I studied philosophy. I was a philosophy major. Um, I really thought I wanted to go to law school and philosophy students score the best on the LSAT. That's not where my life went. Um, but I'm really <laughs> glad that I majored in philosophy. I had a great time doing that. And the first time that I came in contact with Dessa's music was because a friend shared it with me. Um, saying that she also taught philosophy seminars at the University of Minnesota and was like, hey, like, I don't really know anything about philosophy, but like, I really love this local hip hop artist, like maybe you'll like them too. So I started listening to her and really loving some of the more philosophical themes in her music. Um, when her new album Chime came out, I was really excited to listen to it. And when this song came up as a track racer. I was like, holy cow, this is for me. Um, so I, I was so super excited about the song Velodrome. And immediately what clicked for me was thinking that it was some kind of metaphor, some kind of symbol for determinism, which is this theory that we as people don't really have free will. So all of our choices, everything that we do is caused by something that came before. So, you know, when you were growing up, this happened to you and it made you think this way about the world. And so that's why you made this decision as opposed to this decision. And you really couldn't have made a different decision because of the experiences that you've had and the things that have happened to you in your life. And they've shaped how you see the world and how you think about things. Um, determinism was something that I really latched on to when I was in school. Um, I talk about it all the time. <laughs> so apologies to my friends that have heard this over and over and over again. But to me, that really resonated with me that, you know, we're all kind of complicated machines and what's propelling us forward are our memories and our experiences and the way we've reacted to those. Um, so to me, that's what that song meant. And I started kind of talking to some of my friends at the track about that. And they kind of like rolled their eyes and they're <laughs> like, oh, like you're reading too much into this. Like you're thinking too hard about this. Then I started watching some interviews with Dessa. <laughs> <laughs> and she said that, yes, like this is a, the velodrome to her is a metaphor for determinism. And that's part of why it's in this song. I don't remember where that symbol came from or how she found that, um, but she did speak a little bit to that. Um, and to me, it makes a lot of sense because you're on a track. You don't have breaks. Um, if you want to do something that's really, really different, if you want to turn right, for example, <laughs> you can't do it. Right. <laughs> You're going to launch yourself off the top of the track. Yeah, it's not an option. Um, and yeah, so th that relationship there really resonated with me. And so it's been really fun the nights that I've raced that, Jason, you've played that song um, because to me, it kind of centers me and I'm like, oh, yes. 
Like, this is me. This is philosophy and Dessa and bike racing. And it just makes me feel like so at home. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I want to make sure that we get that uh, that link out to people. So if you follow us, uh, follow the show on social media, you'll be able to uh, pick that up. We'll, we'll share the link on Twitter uh, and on Instagram. It's Blast Beat Bikes uh, is the name of our accounts on social media. So be sure to check those out. And we'll share that link to those interviews uh, with Dessa. Um, we're also going to be sharing the uh, archives of each show on SoundCloud. So go look up Blast Beat Bikes on SoundCloud, and you'll be able to listen to the first hour of metal every week and uh, some great conversations about bike racing and bicycles in general, like we're having with Emily uh, here today. So Emily, what are some of the things you're excited about on the bike this summer? That's a great question. Um, this summer, I'm kind of just excited about being a little more chill <laughs> than I've been in the past. Um, I'm a very like type A, high strung sort of person. And for the first couple of years that I was on the track, I kind of let that carry me away. I got very involved in training all the time. I would really, really get down on myself if I didn't do very well in a race. Um, I would be very upset when there weren't 10 people in our field and I couldn't get upgrade points. Um, <laughs> last year I didn't race. I was um, working on a house with my partner at the time and we just didn't have time for it. Um, and it was a really nice break. Um, this past year I've kind of been looking at my life and the things that are important to me. And I've realized that, you know, track racing is, is really important to me. Um, but maybe I don't have the personality to take it really seriously and be successful in that. Um, and by successful, what I mean is like mentally healthy <laughs> and pleasant to be around. <laughs> so those are my top priorities right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been, folks have been asking me since I've come back to the track, like, Hey, what are your goals? What are you trying to do this year? And I've been telling them my goal this year is to not get upset about anything. Mm -hmm. That's my goal is to have fun. And especially because we do just have a couple of years left, a mm -hmm. year and a half left. Um, why do it if it's not fun? Why work yourself up? Um, it's it's an amazing thing to do. It's amazing that we even have access to a track like this, that we all have the opportunity to be on the track and be in this community. So I'm really focusing on not beating myself up this year. <laughs> That's a hard thing. You know, and a bike race is, is a, is a brutal place to be, right? I mm -hmm. mean, somebody wins and other people lose. Yeah. And so it can be really a frustrating experience. You know, I, I had similar challenges when I came out cause I was not good. I'm still not good, but you know, to me, I set simple goals, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm going to try to make sure I finish every single race, yeah. no matter how much I want to puke in lap 39, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to make it all the way to the finish line. And that was a, you know, a good first goal for me to, to make. And then, you know, I thought about, well, I'm going to try not to get lapped, you know, cause nice. it's a short yeah. track and it's yes. like, people are going to come by you cause they're twice or four times as fast as you. Mm -hmm. And so I said, all right, I'm going to make it a goal, at least in the short races to not get lapped, you know? So how do you, as you reevaluate yeah. kind of where you are on the track and what you want to do, how do you, what, what kind of goals do you want to set for yourself? Oh, that's a good question. Um, for me, I think it's kind of hard at this point to set other goals around that because that is it's hard work yep. for me to yep. try to not get carried away sure. in things. Um, 
Yeah, I think like finishing races is a good one. I my commute is much shorter this year and I haven't been training at all. So I ride like four miles a day on a good day. <laughs> and I used to ride like 20 plus. Yeah. Um, and I used to train a lot. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to make it out to structured training a couple of times, mm-hmm. um, work on getting my fitness back up. Um yeah, fin- finishing races is a good one. I'd like to, you know, finish top three and I'm missing out at some point because um, that's a race that I'm better at than others. So, yeah, but mostly just like being out there, being supportive of other people um, is really important to me. And racing safely mm-hmm. is really important to me. So there was a race two weeks ago, a tempo race that I was just like, well, like I'm really like not doing well in this race. I was off the back. I was like going to be lapped by the end of it. I didn't have any points. And I was like, you know what? I'm just like, I'm going to be done with this race Mm -hmm. right now. Um, and in my mind, I was like, you know, well, I can be a really good example of how to safely exit the track during a race. Yeah, <laughs> I can show people who are newer that this is how you safely exit the track <laughs> during a race. Um, so I think, uh, being able to like use those little things that I've learned over the past couple of years to help out other folks who are newer and maybe mm-hmm. have bigger aspirations than I do. Um, and, you know, be able to offer like little tidbits of my limited knowledge to folks as they, as they're interested. Yeah. It's uh, it's nice to be able to offer that, you know, as you, th- as you reflect on your, you know, first three or four years of track cycling, what are some of the things that you would tell people about what it takes to get started and feel comfortable and, you know, sort of get into the mix? Yeah, I would say just doing it as much as possible. Uh, My first year after I took the class and I had a couple of nights of racing, I was really, really terrified of drafting. That was something Mm -hmm. that was really hard for me. So drafting is when you are really close behind the person in front of you. Your front tire is as close as possible to their rear tire so that they are blocking some of the wind. Mm -hmm. Um, And that helps you go faster. It helps you conserve energy. That's something that I was really, 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 really scared of. Um, And I would end up going off the front a lot because that felt safer to me Mm -hmm. um, than hanging out with everyone else. Um, So... I'd say just getting up there and practicing drafting as much as you can. Mm -hmm. And if you can't get up there and practice racing, racing as much as you can and building that confidence. Um, Yeah, that's a classic bike racing phrase, right? Training, racing is training, right? Yes, (laughs) definitely, definitely. And I was really lucky to have a great support network when I started out. So I'd say, you know, if you're able to make those connections and make friends with people, you don't have to be on a team. Um, I haven't been on a team for the past three years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd say that at our track community, it is really easy to make friends. Um, it might be intimidating, but everyone there wants to help you. Everyone there will lend you their wrench. Um, so just reach out to folks, um, and see if you can get them to come up with you on a Saturday or a Sunday. There was one Saturday that I came up with 
uh, Lila Gurton and Tiana Johnson when I was just starting out. Um, they were on Coachella for those first and second years. And one of them would ride in front of me, one of them would ride behind me, and they would switch, and they just yelled at me. <laughs> <laughs> that they doesn't just, sound very friendly. It was fun. It was fun. <laughs> it was really exhausting because their fitness was a lot better than mine. Um, but they would just, like, yell at me to get closer mm-hmm. and to get closer. And Lindsay Hamilton did that for me a lot, too, those first two years. She would just, like yell at me to get closer. Um, and it doesn't sound friendly, but sometimes in your brain, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm already so close. Like, I don't know how I can get any closer. I'm going to like crash and die. And like, none of that's going to happen. Right. And it's totally fine. Um, it's just getting over those. Fears. Yeah. Well, and especially if you've got people who are experienced like that, who right. can teach you and yeah. are, you're going to have a solid wheel to follow and yes. they're going to m- maintain their position and not be yes. wobbling all over the place. It's it, that it really makes a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I would say confidence is just such a big part of track racing. Yeah. Um, the first night that I came back this year, as I said, my fitness is really not great right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I really have to be as smart as possible. So as strategic as possible to hang on to the amazing, wonderful folks that are in my field this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would get off of the races that I did that night just like panting (laughs) and like gasping for air. Um, And they would they would get off the races and like I did fine that night. I finished middle of the pack overall, Um, finished all my races, didn't get lapped. Those are my goals for that night. That went very well. But when I would get off the track, I would just be totally cooked. And the rest (laughs) of them would be like laughing with each other and like having fun. And like, I, I was just thought to myself, I was like, holy cow. Like if I didn't have like some kind of knowledge about like the strategy involved in this, like I would be toast with these folks because their fitness is so much better than me. And I shared that sentiment with Andy Lagason, who's been around for a while. Um, And he looked at me and he was like, it's confidence. You know, like you, you have more confidence on the track than they do. And I think that that was 100% right. You know, like I have the confidence to come under someone, you know, close if they're at the red line I'm gonna tell them and I'm gonna come right under them at the black line and they might be a little freaked out but I know it's gonna be fine so that is a really big asset for me right now (laughs) yeah you know we're getting close to the end of our time together it's about uh, five minutes left in the show I want to remind everybody that they're listening to blast beats and bicycles two hours of heavy metal and bike talk we're going to be here every Friday throughout the summer at McAllister College Radio WMCN 91.7 we're on Twitter and Instagram at Blast Beat Bikes. You can also find archives of the show at SoundCloud.com. So be sure to check out Blast Beat Bikes on social media and SoundCloud. We've been hanging out with Emily Wade, who's an alumna of McAllister. You're a fellow grad of this esteemed institution. Um, you know, one of the things I was thinking, I've been thinking for a number of years when a reunion comes around is they've always got this golf tournament, you know, the, the Mac hat golf tournament. And I've got a couple of buddies who always play in it and they always say, you know, you should come on and play, but I play golf like once a decade basically. Sure. Right. And, and I keep thinking, you know, we should organize a reunion ride. That sounds fun. I think it would be great. We could get people of all ability levels. We could make it a totally family-friendly thing. We could ride around the neighborhood, go down to the river. 
I think it would be really a fun time. I would totally do that. I mean, my five years coming up, if you yeah. wanted to organize that for next year, I would help. Well, I've got a couple of people <laughs> that I know in administration, so maybe I'll nice. uh, put the put the bug in people's ear and maybe yeah. we could pull something together. I bet that we could. We could partner with Nice Ride or Motivate as yeah. it will be at that time. Oh, that's the new see. name. Well, Motivate's the company. It could, it oh, could right, still be right. Nice yep. Ride. Okay. Um, I don't. I I really don't have insider knowledge on that. <laughs> Darn! So. <laughs> I thought we were going to get a, an exclusive. No, I I don't I don't have an exclusive. Um, but yeah, so we will have the dockless bike share at that point, so that mm-hmm. could be helpful with that. But yeah, I think that would be really fun, and that, that sounds a lot more accessible than a bike than um, a golf a tournament. Golf tournament. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Than a golf tournament. Yep. I certainly don't know the first thing about that. So. And you know, we could we could make it a fundraiser. We could say you know pledge yeah. for every mile or every Ooh. block that people ride, and you know we could we could make it really a fun uh, a fun outing i think we yeah. should i think we should explore that concept i think that's a great idea yeah you know we've got a few other events that are on uh on tap we talked a lot about uh thursday night lights racing mm-hmm. uh at the velodrome every thursday night and the velodrome is at the national sports center in blaine um and you can find out more about that at nscsports.org slash velo v-e-l-o uh, this coming Tuesday is the last night of the Machinery Hill Criterium Series mm. up at the State Fairgrounds, and that's always a lot of fun. Um, and then we've got, of course, Masters and Elite Nationals later on this summer for track. Uh, and I know a number of people are going to be racing at both of those events this year. Saw some posts from a couple people uh, who mm-hmm. race up here that are going to Elites this year, which mm-hmm. will be pretty exciting. Um, and then, of course, Masters Worlds. We talked about some of our Masters World champions. Yeah. Um, and we've, I think we had something like 10 or 11 people from the track here go down to L.A. for Masters Worlds last year. Amazing. Uh, which is just incredible. So yeah. there was like a very large contingent from, from our track. Uh, and a lot of people did well. A lot of top 10s and a lot of, you know, podium finishes for people. Uh, down there. So it's it's pretty cool to see. So there's lots of things going on. And then, of course, we should talk about the Fixed Gear Classic just a little bit. That's the big national level yeah. track event um, at the Velodrome in August, August mm-hmm. 24th and 25th. So um, if you've been up to watch and, and be a part I sure of that, right? have. Yeah, I volunteered in the past. Um, I've never been able to race in it before because it's typically been an event that is just for elite racers. This year, there is going to be a women's four field mm-hmm. at the Fixed Gear Classic, though. So that is really, really exciting. Um, gives an opportunity for a lot more folks to be involved in the event. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, we every year we get some really top talent up there. And last year we had a bunch of people come out from the East Coast mm-hmm. who raced in it. We've had people from Europe, you know, former uh, pros from the European scene, former world champions have been in the mix out there. And it's just been a really fun, uh, fun environment. So people should really come out and check that out uh, August 24th and 25th. So I'm going to take us out. It might be a little bit cliche. But, you know, there's there's one song by Queen that I think everybody knows about that, you know, seems like a fitting way to take us out is as you've been listening to us, you've been listening to Blast Beats and Bicycles here on WMCN, McAllister College Radio 91.7 on your radio dial. You can stream live at WMCN FM. And I want to thank Emily one more time for coming. Emily Wade is here from the Velodrome and former McAllister grad. Thanks, Emily. Thanks so much for having me, Jason. This has been a blast. And here is Queen with Bicycle Races. Chica!
white. Say bye, I say bite. Say shark, I say him. And George was never my scene, and I don't like Star Wars. Say Rose, I say Royce. Say God, give me a choice. Say Lord, I say Christ. I don't believe in Peter Pan, Frankenstein, or Superman. Jesus, I don't wanna be a 